Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. This time, we're looking at the way women are portrayed in the media and how that potentially affects our thoughts about what we're capable of in life and our careers in particular. The difference between a TV situation and most women's workday reality can be as gaping as the female character's cleavage. She was dressed as though she were going to a party when you would not expect the vice president of the United States to be sitting in his or her office in a party dress. And later in the show, we look at a genre that's colonized a lot of screen time in the last decade. You don't have, you know, America's next top business leader competing right next to America's Next Top Model. You don't have women on The Apprentice being treated like solid players. You have women being chosen because they look like corporate Barbie. Coming up on The Broad Experience. This episode of The Broad Experience is sponsored by the Tau Knight Center for Entrepreneurial Journalism. When Gloria Felt was a child in the 1950s, June Cleaver, the wife and mother in the series Leave It to Beaver, was her ideal of womanhood. She knew what she'd be doing when she grew up. I was going to be vacuuming in my high heels and with a perfectly starched apron on at all times. And uh, and my makeup on, of course. It didn't work out that way. Gloria is a longtime activist for women's causes and an author. Her latest book is No Excuses, Nine Ways Women Can Change the Way We Think About Power. She's also on the board of the Women's Media Center, which each year conducts a survey into the status of women in the U.S. media. We don't see many female characters today who are as proper and housebound as June Cleaver, nor do we hear characters utter the kind of casually sexist comments they used to. One of the most notable things about the way women come across in the media now is how youthful they look, regardless of their actual age, and how overtly sexy they are, what studies call hypersexualization. In its 2012 report, the Women's Media Center says women in the top-grossing movies of the last three years were three to five times likelier than men to be shown naked, to have their attractiveness called out, and to wear sexy clothes with plenty of skin on display. I asked Gloria Felt why this is happening in the 21st century. I think it has happened in almost direct proportion to the amount of additional power and position that women have had in the business and professional world. I think it has been a maybe a, a not even a conscious reaction, but it's one of the ways that we can be kept in our place, keep us small, keep our voices small, keep our bodies small. You know, I don't attribute this to some kind of sinister plot. I just think it's it's in the nature of a changing culture and a rapidly changing culture. It's not that sexiness wasn't a big deal back in the 80s when I was a teenager, but I still have some of those magazines and they seem quite innocent by comparison with the images of women you see today. Women did wear more and they weren't as thin. Their poses were less provocative. 
I am curious about the effect that all this hypersexualization of of women on screen has on young women growing up and their thoughts about themselves and what they might do with their lives. The more media we consume, the more influence the media has on how we think about everything, including ourselves. And I, I want to point out, speaking at a higher level than this is not just about girls, but this is about grown women here. When Veep came out, the television series Veep, I really love Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I think she's great. So I was so looking forward to it. And I watched the first episode, and not only was she depicted as being ditzy, and not only was she depicted as being mean-spirited, but she was dressed as though she were going to a party when you would not expect the vice president of the United States to be sitting in his or her office in a party dress. You would expect that person to be dressed in a professional suit of some sort. I mean, you know, with with her cut out arms and cleavage and I'm sorry, but put some clothes on, honey. That's my my reaction to to seeing women in supposedly powerful roles and they're still not wearing clothes. Lest you think she has no sense of humor, Gloria says she enjoys a lot about the show. Still, it bugs her that the whole plot hinges on the character's powerlessness. The big joke is that the president never calls her. Why not establish a little power of her own, Gloria says, and call him? One fictional female politician I watch is Amy Poehler's character Leslie Nope on the show Parks and Recreation. Leslie does take a stand, even if it's sometimes ridiculous, and she wears sensible suits an actual woman would wear in a normal office. No cleavage in sight. There are very few women heading media companies. Critics say that's part of the reason women so often come across as stereotypes and still only have 30 to 40 percent of the speaking roles in TV and film. Kay Koplovitz was a pioneer. In 1977, she founded what became USA Network, and in 1992, she launched the Sci-Fi Channel. Kay says her network showed plenty of programming with strong female characters when she was there, but they weren't above showing the more typical woman-in-distress figure either. She says it's a question of balance, and it's fine to show good-looking people on screen. Because all of us like to think of ourselves as attractive people um, or sexy people. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's a portrayal of women being the victims of that image that I don't like. Um, And there are a lot of stereotypes about women. We've all been through the period of time where if you were a smart, aggressive woman, you were just a, you know, a bitch. And, uh, you know, I think that's wrong. I think that we should admire strong, uh, progressive women uh, because we are half the sky after all. We are holding up half the sky in, in the population. And I think that bringing strong, intelligent and uh, progressive, and I'm not saying that in a political sense, I'm saying women who really are excelling in science, in medicine, in technologies, in business, we are, we are good contributors to the society. And uh, we need to have more projection of women being competent contributors, not people as objects. And so we still fight against that image, I think. And it's bad for young girls, bad for young girls. 
That's where Spark comes in. Spark describes itself as a movement to end the sexualization of girls in the media. Dana Idell is its executive director. She says one recent campaign was sparked by a 14-year-old girl in Maine called Julia who wrote to Seventeen magazine. She asked them to stop using Photoshop to doctor models' images and make them look more perfect than they are. When Julia's petition had 25,000 signatures, the editor of Seventeen said she wanted to talk. And Julia, her mother and Dana found themselves sitting in the editor's office in Manhattan and presenting their case. She listened. She really did. She listened. She asked questions. She said that Seventeen cares about girls and this is how we care about girls. And she, I would say she didn't directly respond to our request, though spent about an hour talking to us. And then we left um, about a month later. We continued to push the petition forward. We got over 85,000 signatures on the petition. And then in the August 2012 issue, she wrote in her letter from the editor that Seventeen Magazine will never Photoshop girls' faces and bodies and will commit to diversity in the magazine. So she actually went further than we had even asked. She responded directly to our campaign. She acknowledged that there had been um, a lot of the readers were disappointed and frustrated with the way that Seventeen might be photoshopping, and so she took action, which was amazing. She says Teen Vogue hasn't been as receptive. Anne-Marie McDaniel is 18. She's in her first semester at Yale, and she blogs for Spark. She's been going through issues of Teen Vogue to see if the magazine pays as much attention to diversity as it claims. She says it doesn't. And so for me, as someone who is a woman of color and who has curly hair, it can be really difficult when the media says that you need to be this size and look exactly this way and wear this much makeup and dress in this very high fashion way. It's tough to measure the influence media has on our lives. Even if it seems awful, will its effects last? The difference today, perhaps, is the sheer prevalence of media and the fact that it's there 24-7 in all its forms, from fictional shows to advertising. A 2010 study reported teenagers consume more than 10 hours a day. The Girl Scout Research Institute did a survey last year asking girls between 11 and 17 various questions about themselves and reality TV. 72% of reality TV watchers reported spending a lot of time on their appearance versus 42% of girls who didn't watch. Watchers also expected a higher level of drama and bullying in their own lives than non-watchers. But the survey also reports 68% of girls say reality TV makes them feel they can achieve anything in life. Anne-Marie McDaniel believes excessive reality viewing is having an effect on some of her friends, but a mixed one. For example, I definitely know people who are planning on becoming secretaries, which is a very respectable job, but I know that they are very capable women who could do more if they aspired to, and so I think that's one of the ways that it's reflected. And I think another way that it's reflected differently is that you still see women and like people my age who are ambitious, but then they have the feeling from watching reality TV that they still need to be very pretty and they still need to be very fun. And so I think it can be either in the way that they aspire to have a career, or I think it can just be in the way that they aspire to have almost a character and to have almost a reality TV show of your own. Be yeah. a character in your own reality yeah, TV show. Totally. Definitely. If they can do it, I can do it too. If Snooki is making, and she's making money, look at Kim Kardashian. She's a bazillionaire from making a sex tape. Like, these are women who 
Like, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure it takes a lot of business savvy to get to where Kim Kardashian is, but what are her actual skills and talents? Um, and then also looking at the ways that reality TV and a lot of like the Bachelor series, like all of those shows about getting a voice, perpetuating this really dangerous fairy tale stereotype that the most important thing in a girl's life is having a boyfriend and getting married and that that absolutely overpowers career or making a difference in the world when your number one focus is I'm supposed to have a boyfriend and so many of these shows I mean even Jersey Shore and all these are about mating however that may occur honestly this is the best time of my life meatballs down look out for the crap Ew. oh you're paying this all bathrooms is taken you know it's bad when I'm the sober one MTV's reality show Jersey Shore has become a pop culture phenomenon during the past few years. Troy DeVold is a longtime producer of reality television based in L.A. His current show is Basketball Wives. I asked him why so often the women in reality shows come off as venal, jealous and prone to fights. Aren't there any women working on these shows? Well, here's the thing. Um, I, think, I think that anyone who's good at reality television is, is working in service of story. And I think that anyone who's working in reality television also knows when too far is too far, if they're any good at their job. The most controversial show in reality television, I think, um, that you hear the most about is Jersey Shore. It's a show that was created by and produced by a woman, Sally Ann Salsana. Um, most of the shows that I've worked on uh, are not all male. Um, it's a fairly good mix, and I will tell you that the ethnic diversity that I've seen in the reality television workplace is a lot broader than I think it's, it's been in other workplaces. If you, take a, if you take a photograph of a writer's room on a sitcom, and then you come and take a look at a, at a group of producers that are working on reality programs, I think you'll be very surprised. I can't tell you how, if women are conscious of, or if they're thinking about how their sex is being portrayed on television, I don't know if it's something that really, if it's if it's really even on their radar. I think that they're in, trying to operate in service of good story. And sometimes, you know, we fall short, and sometimes we do a fantastic job. But I think that ultimately, you know, viewer taste dictates what's on television in most cases. And the way to get anything changed, if you're if if you're upset, is to always write to the networks or write to the advertisers. Jennifer Posner is executive director of Women in Media and News, and she agrees with him about complaining to the networks and advertisers, but not about much else. She's the author of Reality Bites Back, The Troubling Truth About Guilty Pleasure TV. She says women in positions of power on reality shows, as in the rest of the media, are the exception, not the rule. And the reason these shows jam the TV schedules has nothing to do with viewer preference. Reality shows are 50 to 75 percent cheaper to produce than scripted television, and reality shows come with hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars in embedded marketing money, product placement money, before networks ever sell a single commercial. So as former uh, chair of, Je of NBC, Jeff Gaspin, said, the economics of reality television are so phenomenal that they can sustain a lower rating. So that is the big myth of this genre. Oh, we're just giving the public what they want. They're not. That is absolutely... It's a lie. Because there... And I have a whole chapter in, in my book, Reality Bites Back, on media economics. And I break down this 
this myth that we've been sold, that the, that television is some, some sort of free market that if we vote with our remotes, we only get the television we want and deserve. Okay, so assuming we don't deserve this onslaught, I asked Troy DeVold again about what seems to me the pretty unedifying content of most shows, especially when it comes to women. He says he's concerned about stereotyping too and wants to make reality shows better. I'd like to figure out how we can get away from those catfights and and that kind of noise. Because I think that it's, it's unfortunate. But also, you know, if you're looking at it from a standpoint of this is unacceptable behavior, this is, you know... I'm sorry, I, get, I mean, I just, I get terribly frustrated when I talk about these shows because it's, I have an image of who people are from watching footage of them that then has to be assembled and distilled down into a program. There are storylines that work. There are storylines that don't work. There are small, intimate moments in people's lives that I think are amazing that sometimes will make the show and sometimes won't. But I can guarantee you that an outburst or a fight or poor behavior will almost always make the show. Because if you turn in a show without it, someone will say, where is this? I read in the notes somewhere that they had a big fight. And you just sort of sit there and say to yourself, well, yes, they did. It's a one, it was an outburst about one thing. It didn't relate to the story in the long run. I chose not to use it. Sometimes you'll be asked to re-examine that footage, reconsider it. We could really use a fight here. Um, this is a thing that happens over and over on all kinds of different types of shows. That's entertainment, it seems. As for the way women are presented in a work context in reality land, Jennifer Posner says we might as well be back in the 60s. You don't have, you know, America's Next Top Business Leader competing right next to America's Next Top Model. You don't have women on The Apprentice being treated like solid players. You have them being constantly, almost every season, over and over and over the same script women being chosen because they look like corporate Barbie and then being uh, edited and portrayed as if they can't succeed unless they trade on their appearance and their sexuality. Talking of appearance, I read a piece a few months ago where the college-age writer said none of her female contemporaries were interested in being leaders. The reason? They felt the pressure to look good at all times was too much. They didn't want that level of scrutiny in a leadership role. Cable TV pioneer Kay Koplovitz believes, not surprisingly, women make great leaders. They definitely need more role models, she says. But in the meantime... I just think women really should paint their own portrait, the picture of who they want to be, and to pursue that. And uh, not to be dissuaded by what other people think you should be. And that includes whether other people think that you should be a sex object or a diva of some sort. Amen. You'll find links to the studies mentioned in this show at thebroadexperience.com. That's The Broad Experience for this month. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. I'm Andrea, founder of a boutique handbag brand, Andy, and this is why I switched to Shopify. I tried three other platforms prior to Shopify, and I remember my breaking point was when I would try to make one little change and my entire site would go down. Shopify made it really easy for me to shift everything over and hit the ground running. I was able to migrate my products and all of my customer information over. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Go to shopify.com slash listen to take your business to the next level today. 